today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Well done, good and faithful, reliable servant. It's not going to be well done, good and productive. That's the factory. He doesn't even say that he's going to say, well done, good and fruitful. No, just reliable, faithful, dependable. If I'm entangled by and distracted with all of these other things, how can I be reliable? God cares about your character. In fact, as you'll discover today, your faithfulness and dependability are very important to the Lord. Pastor J.D. shares that there are lots of things in your life that will distract you from who God is and what He wants for you. He urges you to watch for these entanglements so you can grow in faithfulness. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 2 Timothy chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. When you live under grace and not under works, it's the grace of God. It's the kindness of God. When you realize that God's not going to just zap you because of grace, oh, that, that changes everything. See, now, instead of keeping my distance, oh, I better lay low. I blew it. No, it's, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. What's grace? We, we affectionately define it as unmerited favor. I don't think that even begins to scratch the surface of the definition of grace. I think grace by its very nature, as one said, is, is not definable. Undefinable? Is that a word? Let's just say that's a word, undefinable. <laughs> it's been said that grace is God giving you what you don't deserve, what you've not earned, and mercy is God not giving you what you do deserve. <laughs> I'll take both. Thank you very much. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you know it well. We are saved by grace, through faith. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And isn't that the truth when it comes to works? Look at me. (laughs) Oh, highly favored of God. Certainly you have merited God's favor. Come on. That Christian life is a factory, not a garden. That's not grace. That's works. Works kill. The law kills. Grace, the Holy Spirit, gives life. The second one is, oh, they're all a biggie, but this is a biggie. This is a biggie of biggies. Okay. Selfishness. The importance of what Paul says here, again, like verse 1, can be easily missed at first read, such that it deals with a Christian not being an island to themselves. Stay with me. Let me explain. 
if we think it's all about self, we become an island to ourself, then we become like the Dead Sea in Israel, where nothing flows to it, or from it, or grows in it. It's for this reason that Paul exhorts Timothy to impart and entrust what he's received to others. I've been talking to the Lord about this example, so just bear with me on this. Here's what that looks like, and please know I am speaking of no one here in this church. You guys are just marvelous. I'm talking about other carnal Christians, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They go into church, it's all about them. And they sit down, God forbid somebody's not in their seat. That's my seat. Oh. Okay. And the body language, oh my goodness. All right, let's get this show on the road. The worship better be good today. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so, there must be a misunderstanding here. Oh, it's for you, the worship. Oh, yeah, no, 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 wait, no, no, because here's, here's, here's what you're saying without saying it. Again, I, I'm not talking about you. These are other, other Christians. Nobody's folding their arms right now, I can tell you that. <laughs> they're, just, they're just sitting there like, yeah. All right, bless me. <laughs> and then the pastor gets up. That's the pastor? Yeah. Ha! Oh, what's this guy going to say now? Better not be long. Well, you're in the wrong church. If you're here, yeah, 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 you already know. Yeah. Hey, tell me what I want to hear. Oh, I better know the song. I don't know that song. Oh, you don't? Well, let me teach it to you then. So here's what happens. <laughs> that is a sad Christian, isn't it? Again, nobody here. We're talking about those carnal Christians elsewhere. But it's the Christian who says, it's all about me. You know that song we sing? I love that song. I, I hate to ruin it when I do this. It's all about you, Jesus. You liar. <laughs> no, right? It's not all about Jesus. It's all about you, dude. You're, you're thinking, bless me with the worship. Yeah. I want to be able to sing along. I need, I, I need to know the song. I need to like the song. If I don't like the song, I don't like you. <laughs> You know what's sad? I won't stay too long on this for what I think might be deemed obvious reasons, but you know what's sad? We're going to see it later on here in Second Timothy. This is really heartbreaking, actually, in all seriousness. Churches and pastors have acquiesced to this. 
keep it fast, keep it moving, keep it interesting, keep it relevant. Worship's got to be really cool, man. Hey, we need effects. Lights, smoke machine. (laughs) I mean, again, sad, but you would think you walked it. Listen, I, I got out of the world, and I came to Christ to get away from the world, not to find the world in the church. I mean, you go to some churches, and you would think you were at a rock concert. I mean, my, you know when you get older, that music gets louder, doesn't it? You know when you're young, it's like, oh, turn it up! You get older, like, oh, turn it down. <laughs> right? It's kind of like, whoa, wait a minute. Is this a performance of man? Or is this the worship you know, when we get to heaven, what do you think you're going to be doing? <laughs> you're going to be worshiping before the throne. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Holy, holy, holy. Where's the reverence? Where's the holiness? It's gone. It's man-centered. And the sermons, man-centered. Five keys to this, seven secrets to that. What? Wait, wait, where's that in here? Sounds like a seminar. Number three, verses three and four, entanglements. Here, Paul starts with the first of three illustrations concerning potential dangers to the Christian. This one having to do with suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Specifically, as it relates to not getting entangled with, or if you prefer, distracted by, the things of this world. We're at war. You don't have time for these matters. They are inconsequential because we're at war. Yeah, but you say, no, this is a good thing. Fine. Maybe a good thing, but if you don't detach yourself from it, Deny yourself of it, you'll in effect be caught up in it and distracted, dare I say, derailed by it. And that's dangerous in the life of a Christian. You think about those who serve in the military, certainly those who have been on the battlefield. And don't you find it interesting, by the way, that Paul would say, a good soldier? The implication being that, you mean I could be a soldier but not a good one? Yeah. What is a good soldier? A good soldier is one who serves to please his commanding officer. Who's our commanding officer? Come on. This could easily go into a discussion about being a man pleaser or a God pleaser. 
By the way, back in verse 1, I, I missed it. Maybe I, I need to uh, just note it here parenthetically. But did you notice that Paul said to entrust what he had received to reliable men? Notice he, what he doesn't say. He doesn't say entrust it to gifted and talented people. Oh, look at them. Oh, so talented. Let them do it. No, no. Reliable. Faithful. You know, on that day, (laughs) we all long to hear him say, well done, good and faithful, reliable servant. It's not going to be well done, good and productive. That's the factory. He doesn't even say that he's going to say, well done, good and fruitful. No, just reliable, faithful, dependable. If I'm entangled by and distracted with all of these other things, how can I be reliable and dependable? Verse 4, number 4, this is again another biggie of biggies, (laughs) dishonesty. Here, Paul goes from the illustration of a good soldier to that of an athlete. And it's interesting because you would think he would talk about the perseverance or the endurance of the athlete running the race to receive the crown, but he doesn't. And again, you could miss it at first read. He actually illustrates with this athlete concerning the rules. And he says that if this athlete doesn't go according to the rules, they're disqualified. What's he saying? Well, he's saying that, picture this with me, and this is just the way my mind is wired, and so I know they have clinical terms for this, but unless you have a better one, you can tell me afterwards, right? So you've got this runner in a race. Let's say it's at the Olympics. Let's, you know, well, really, let's, if we're going to go, let's just go big or go home. Okay, you're at the Olympics, and it's the, what do what they have, the 100-yard dash? You're watching these athletes. I mean, they've been training all their lives for this moment. There they are at the starting line, right? And the gun goes off, and poof, out of the chute they go, and they start running. And then this one guy all of a sudden cuts through the track to get to the, He's like, what what is he doing? He's breaking the rules. I know. He's disqualified. That's the point. He's trying to take a shortcut. He's cheating. That's dishonest. That's what Paul's talking about. He's talking about the paramount importance of integrity and purity in the life of a Christian. You know what the rule book is? It's right here. It's right here. This is the rule book. Are we running the race we call the Christian life according to the Word? This is going to actually dovetail into our last one that I want to spend the remainder of our time on. 
Oh, how I wish I could stand before you today and say to you that there are shortcuts in the Christian life. There isn't. Doesn't that just, I mean, make our flesh salivate? Just the thought of it? Hey, here's an easier way. Really? How? Oh, I'll take it. Where do I sign? Sold. Laziness. Spiritual laziness. This last one is perhaps one of the most important of all. Because here Paul says, and I want you to notice the key word here, the hard-working farmer. Not just a farmer. Well, this is a hard-working farmer. And I'll just tell you, having grown up in a small farm town, Tico, Washington, wheat, lentils, really small town, farm town. Those farmers work hard. Oh, wow, they're hard workers, those farmers. They have to be, or they're not going to survive, let alone thrive. So here Paul is now, he goes from a good soldier to an honest athlete who's going according to the rules. Now to a hard-working farmer. I don't know if it's possible to overstate the importance of this, but spiritual laziness in the life of a Christian is dangerous and perilous. You know that proverb, we always understand it and see it, and rightfully so in the context of material labor, but all hard work leads to profit, but mere talk only to poverty. You know the proverb, right? Have you ever saw that in the spiritual sense? It presupposes that one knows that the Christian life is hard work. It's not for wimps. (laughs) The Christian life requires both diligence and vigilance. It's hard. I want to draw your attention to verse 7. This, I mean, to me, it just seems to sum it all up. Everything that heretofore in the first six verses the Apostle Paul is writing, I mean, he's, he's pouring, think of it this way, he's pouring out his heart to Timothy whom he loves as a son. And he knows that his days are numbered. It's not going to be long before he's martyred, and he will be. And his parting words to Timothy, because he knows that Timothy, how do you think Timothy receives this? Oh, I know, he's crushed. The Apostle Paul was a father. He fathered him in the faith, and now it's not going to be long before I'm not going to have him anymore. And he wants to prepare me for that which is prepared for me. And he's telling me, he's warning me really, these are the things that you need to do. These are the the things you need to avoid because they are dangerous. You know, you can flip every single one of these that we've looked at around the other way, and you've got, I mean, you talk about 
grace instead of legalism? Selflessness instead of selfishness? How about being entangled? (laughs) I mean so committed, undivided, unflinching loyalty. Nothing moves me, nothing distracts me, nothing shakes me, nothing phases me. My eyes are on the prize. Oh, what about this? Not interested. How about the good soldier? Probably should have spent a little bit more time on that. You'd be hard-pressed to hear a sermon on suffering, right? That's not going to have a draw, is it? I mean, what if I titled this sermon, How to Be a Good Suffering Soldier? You know, would you look at the time? What day is that? Oh, too bad. Busy that day. In verse 7, Paul writes, Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. I have to confess that this is a hard one for me personally. I'm just being open with you. I hope it doesn't make you uncomfortable. I hope you don't see me differently, but this is a struggle for me, and I'll explain what I mean. Quieting my very busy life and just listening and reflecting and thinking and certainly praying for insight doesn't come easy for me. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we would have to admit that our lives are just loud and busy. And there's so many things clamoring for our attention. And it's like we're seeing in the Song of Solomon, it's just so poetic and magnificent. Come away. Come away. Just get away. Come with me. Come away with me. Some things I want to tell you. Some things I want to show you and speak to you, but I can't. Because the volume of your life is just turned up so loud. And when I speak, I speak in that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to compete with the other voices. I'm not going to turn up my volume. No, you got to turn down that volume. If you want to hear me, you need to get quiet. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from Second Timothy with Pastor J.D., approach each piece of wisdom prayerfully and ask God to show you how you can apply what you learn to your own life. He can and does teach you through His Word. So keep reading. As we continue to learn from the book of 2 Timothy together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know how we can be doing that for you? Just fill out the contact form that you'll find under the About tab at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages on our website. And we encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kamiohe and In Spirit and Truth. 
If you're not part of a local church that you can call home, we encourage you to find and begin regularly attending one in your area. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, you can also find more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth, verse-by-verse study of 2 Timothy on In Spirit and Truth. 